Hi, Eric Bailey alongside Eli Letterman to talk a little bit of OU football, OU athletics. Uh, every week we're, we start the same way. We don't know what's going on, and it seems like it gets worse every week too. Eli, Sooners are 3-3 three and three with a big game against Kansas, uh, a nationally ranked Kansas team, number 19 in the country. Uh, first time it's happened since where KU is ranked, and OU's not since 1992. We're bringing a lot of 1990s references to this OU football program, and uh, it just ties in with the historic uh, downfall of the Sooners program with three three straight losses for the first time since 98. Eli, this has just been just a free fall since uh, leaving Lincoln, Nebraska on a high early in, in, in mid-September. I mean, I'll credit Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman here, but we're sitting in the press room at the Cotton Bowl uh, after the, the loss to Texas last Saturday. And we thought back right in that very moment, it was about what, like 3.45, uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. If you'd gone back 14 days, OU was unbeaten, right? Sixth in the nation about to host Kansas State. And you could have, you know, everything was in front of this team. We were talking playoff and talking another Big 12 title. And it has changed. And I feel like we're back for another week with fewer answers than we had last week. Um, because they, this team just kind of, as you said, it's it's been a free fall. And it's been... A historic free fall. I mean, this is the first three-game losing streak, I believe, since 1998. Uh, they haven't given up this many points in a three-game stretch, 145 since 1997. So as you said, a lot of going back to the 90s. And when you're talking about OU history, there's a lot of positive areas to go to. That's one of the ones where when you start drawing on stats from then that uh, usually things aren't going well. And that's the case now. And, and here we are with a ranked Kansas team coming to town. The Sooners kind of on the ropes. Uh, it's gonna. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they come home. They haven't been home since Kansas State, and a lot has happened since then. We'll see what the crowd's like. I'm, I'm curious, you know, could an early start be the spark they need, or if it, if it, if they start slow, which has been the, the kind of their MO, does the crowd come out of it and we're staring at another game like we've watched these past few weeks? We'll wait and see, but Saturday should be intriguing. Probably the most interesting thing about Saturday is to see who takes the first snap for Oklahoma's offense. Will it be Dylan Gabriel? If it's not, who will it be? Uh, this week, we had a chance to talk to Dylan on Monday night following practice, and he was chipper in a good mood, said he felt great, uh, but remained in concussion protocol. On Tuesday, we talked to Brent Venables and asked him about uh, Gabriel's status, and he said, you know, he, ever since this has happened, Brent Venables has done a good job of saying that, you know, he lets the doctors do what he says. He says he doesn't get in the weeds of what's going on. The doctors have the final word, and then they tell him if he's going to play or not. Uh, he should know on Thursday, uh, which when we're taping this is today, uh, if Dylan is going to be available for Saturday. And, and we do know what this team is like with Dylan Gabriel on the field, and we definitely know what this team is like when he's not on the field, Eli. Yeah, I mean, the, like Brent, I, we we can't get in the weeds or be predictive on on a concussion protocol because those are just there's that's what you leave it to the professionals for. But I'd say all signs point toward Dylan Gabriel being back this week. The way he spoke on mon Monday, simply the fact that he did speak on Monday, I think, was encouraging, and he was pretty confident, said he was feeling good. Brent Venables said, you know, basically barring any setbacks, he expects him back. And, and I think we know what that means for the Sooners after watching last week. But I think it does bear going back to between the performance we saw from, from Davis Bevel against Texas, the way that this offense kind of had to change and go to the Wildcat. And then what we heard from Jeff Levy and Brent Venables afterward talking about really just the lack of experience they've got back there. You would have looked at Davis Bevel's stats and, and seen nine appearances at, at quarterback at Pitt and certainly maybe thought more than, than what we saw 
in, in against Texas. But what do you think that and all that said about where the backup quarterbacks are and, and everyone behind Dylan Gabriel is right now for the Sooners? Definitely concerning because, you know, when we left spring football, the only scholarship quarterbacks were, uh, of course, Dylan Gabriel and Nick Evers, the true freshman who enrolled early. So Oklahoma went out, uh, found Davis Bevel. They found uh, General Booty and they brought him on campus. And, and you, as an Oklahoma fan, you probably felt a little bit more secure because you brought experience and guys that have taken college staffs before. Uh, and uh, what surprises me the most was halfway through the season, these these uh, young men have been on campus in summer that the development at the position isn't stronger than what I thought. Uh, we're in a situation now where a lot of fans are really wanting to see Nick Evers out there. And and uh, Nick did get the final two series against Texas. It, it's so hard, though, if you're just a true freshman, a young freshman, getting thrown into the fire, especially at an OU Texas game, to go out there and try to yeah. produce some offense. That's just a tough situation. I do think Nick Evers is going to be a factor in the future. You do need to develop that backup quarterback because, again, you're just one step away from – uh, bringing in the the next guy after uh, after uh, Dylan Gabriel, but I was just surprised. I think the big thing was just how little development these quarterbacks have had. Uh, you know, making simple throws basically too. We we saw some bounce passes. I mean, it it's got to be frustrating, Jeff Levy. And there's a reason the Sooners went to the Wildcat 23 times in that game. I mean, that's how comfortable or uncomfortable I guess he felt uh, with the Wildcat package. When we look yeah, at the exactly. offense, what surprised me the most, too, was, you know, can this run game get on, on track? We saw good things out of the Wildcat package. We didn't see Theo Weiss, which is interesting, uh, didn't take a snap in that game. And, uh, Eli, just this offense. And, and we've heard some about the offensive line, too. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying the offensive line are playing pre pretty good. You're just not seeing the results. So your thoughts, any more thoughts on the offense? Well, the run game has probably been the strongest point of the offense, really, from the start of Dylan Gabriel and then the passing game, there have been some highlights, but the run game outside of, I think those first two weeks has been pretty strong. They broke out against Nebraska and they've been one of the more consistent parts, even in kind of the recent struggles. Uh, and shoot, we're going to factor the wildcat into the run game. It was impressive. And a part of me wonders now that they've installed it, if, if it could just factor in anywhere, just as something else to throw at them, but you're exactly right. The offensive line, I think has been, one of the strong points, it's certainly not been the problem. It's not why they struggled against Texas by any means. And uh, this week, you know, it's a Kansas rush defense that has been really impressive all year. And you wonder, you know, whatever speed Dylan Gabriel and this offense can move at probably does hinge a bit on the run game. Eric Gray, Marcus Major, Javante Barnes, because even when uh, the passing game has worked for the Sooners this year, it's usually come when they're running the ball well, establishing that. And that's that's the hallmark of a Jeff Levy offense. Like when this thing is up and running, and you can say what you want. If, if you don't like the speed of the offense or the tempo or the way they run, when it's when the offense, the Sooners intend to run, because they are going to run this offense, when it runs well, it, it comes with success on the ground. And I think they got to get back to that. And we saw it even last week, as woeful as they were on offense, what worked for them was was the run game. And I think that's important. You, you mentioned Theo Weiss, and just an interesting note, he, by all accounts, was healthy uh, against Texas, but Coach's decision is what Brent Venable said. And, um, you know, for I guess it wasn't really a day to catch passes anyway. They only uh, completed nine passes altogether. But um, interesting to note, maybe another inter interesting thing just to, to watch this week. Defensively, uh, it's tough. When you give up seven touchdowns, you're on the field as much as they were. So many three and outs on offense. Defense got wore down. Um, 
it's injuries. You're still seeing Billy Bowman's uh, impact back there and how the loss of him is really uh, hurt. Shane Witter was confirmed out for the season, shoulder surgery by Brent Venables at his press conference. Uh, and so many questions on the defensive side of the football. I had a chance to talk to Ted Roof after the game. And of course, you know, it's somber Ted Roof. It's tough when you have a game like that. And we talked about maybe players doing things outside the box, uh, trying to do too much and it takes you out of position. And I think that's just human nature. If you're a competitor, you want to do more, you want to make a play. And sometimes when you try to make that play, you're taking yourself out of position. You're seeing that. Um, players are, it, it, we had an interesting week talking to the defensive players. They're still trying to stay positive, saying, you know, this thing can be fixed. Uh, just what what are your thoughts on defense uh, with who you talk to and and just the week at, going into Kansas week? So many thoughts. I mean, man, it's not this, it's not like this defense is one where you can point at it like some in the past and say, all right, they have a really weak secondary or they are weak here or they're weak there and this is what teams are attacking. It's been for three straight weeks just been flat altogether. And I can say this, you know, we – I think what you would have hoped last week, I don't know if that offense, they could have had 12 quarters to score and they might not have, but you would have hoped as a Sooners fan to see the off, the defense improve from a week before. And, and sure, they didn't give up some of those explosive plays that you saw at TCU, but Eric, you and I were sitting there and I think anybody in the combo would have seen it. Queen Ewers in Texas were so comfortable and they really didn't have to get out of that first gear. And, and we all saw, I mean, Quinn Ewers missed some throws. He missed some guys downfield that might have been those explosive plays if he just looked in another direction. So it was another week where not only did they struggle, but they didn't get better from the week before. And I would imagine that's one of the most alarming things inside those walls for Brent Venables and, and Ted Roof. But you're right on the, the defensive guys and even, you know, Brent Venables himself, they're, they're sticking to it. That we know. Um, Brent Venables has said they're not changing things. And the defensive guys to this point have said, you know, we, we think we can turn this around. It's about execution. Uh, it's about, you know, just making those plays. But, you know, it's interesting to talk to Ted Roof about guys going out of the box. And you do wonder how much of that is impacted by guys playing in different positions. No Billy Bowman. Not only do you not have your one of your most dynamic defensive players, but Woody Washington, who had a very nice game, I'd say, in a, in a, in a new position, plays that deep safety role. But you'd imagine when a guy is in an unfamiliar role, he is a playmaker on that defense. Maybe that that's when that starts to happen. Deshaun White, I think, has been great relatively at that cheetah role. But again, it's a new spot for him. And when you're moving guys around, I think that that, again, becomes a, a, a place where maybe you do try to do too much. And um, I think simpler, the better right now with, with this defense. Um, and we, we're going to see them probably tested again this week. But even you know, going back to the backup quarterbacks across the country last week, you saw backup quarterback after backup quarterback perform. And it only made it more glaring what the Sooners don't have behind there because uh, these the teams across the country do have that depth. And we're going to see it this week, assuming Jalen Daniels doesn't return for Kansas. Jason Bean uh, proved himself pretty capable in the second half with TCU, and he's fast. Probably the fastest quarterback they face. Uh, and for Sooners run defense, that hasn't been able to stop much of anything. He might be another challenge. You know, uh, you had a really interesting story this week. And, uh, and, you know, first of all, I asked Brent Venables about playing younger players versus the veteran players. Do you do you allow veteran players uh, to go out there and they're making the same mistakes? Do you allow them to play over younger players who you might just think you throw out there and, and live with the results, but they're talented younger players? Uh, and Brent talked a little bit about, you know, there's there's a reason why there's injuries. There's, you know, things that we don't know. 
why they're shuffling players around. But one player who's been in the starting lineup who we've seen, and, and you use the word lightning rod, which I really think is appropriate, uh, is Justin Broyles. I mean, he, he at, at his safety spot, he gets a lot of uh, criticism, uh, and fair or unfair, from Oklahoma fans. And um, it, it, I think – I don't know what Oklahoma – coaches see in Justin, that's not a bad thing. I mean, what, what I'm saying is that they see the practices, they see the workouts, they see the leadership. There's a reason he's starting out there. Uh, and uh, and they're staying true, true to him. They're confident in him. And if you're an Oklahoma fan, you really got to trust the, the coaches for, for what the decisions they make. They they see these guys inside and out every day, uh, what, what, what they're like on a Monday and Tuesday compared to what Saturdays are like. Um, but you asked Coach Venables about Justin. You used the word lightning rod. It almost was a lightning rod for conversation for for Brent. Uh, just talk a little bit about Justin Burroughs. What 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 you you talked to Justin about what's going on, and you asked Brent the question about it. Just talk a little bit about Justin. Yeah, well, I'll preface it here because you 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 mentioned that he's playing a lot, and there's plenty of there's metrics. I'll read them out to show that he is struggling. And on-field performance is certainly struggling. I think he's played more snaps in the secondary per pro football focus than anyone but Woody Washington. So Justin Broyles is out there a lot. It's not deceiving anyone's eyes that he's getting a lot of playing time. And after a pretty strong non-conference play, uh, string of games there against UTEP, Kent State, Nebraska, he has struggled pretty mightily um, in, in Big 12 play. I think pro football focus, again, going back to that, only Key Lawrence graded out worse on the Sooners' defense than him against uh, against Texas. So there are real critiques to be had about his play and whether uh, the Sooners should still, you know, still be using it, but how much they should be using him, all that. Uh, but what has also jumped out to me, and, and yeah, you, you used my term lightning rods, that Justin Broyles seems to be the guy that when things are going south with this team, the fans on Twitter just go after. And there's, you know, a whole debate conversation to be had about college athletes and what do they, you know, deserve in terms of criticism as, as unpaid, um, you know, amateur athletes, but even just beyond that, I mean, there's, there's critique of the play and then there's critique of the person or, or hateful things toward the person. And so some of that had jumped out to me. And so Monday night, you know, Justin Broyles is talking more in the, the abstract about the team of blocking out the noise. But I said to him, you know, they're, they're none of these guys, really tune it out I think we know that we hear that often but we also know that some of the first things these players will do after a game is, is go look up their names on Twitter see what people are saying so there's no doubt Justin Broyles has seen a lot of what is out there about him and he said you know he's learned over the years to just block it out and uh, I think one of the quotes he had was you know you can't everyone's entitled you're not exempt from criticism or opinion people's opinions and he's right uh, but he's seen it all and he's learned to block it out uh, but I then kind of went to Brent Venables and just said you know this is a guy who OU fans really like to go after. And he's a guy that when, when things are going south, um, fair or unfair is kind of that scapegoat. Who's the guy you see? Who, who's the guy so, somewhat on the field to see, you know, why do you, why is he such a, an important picture of this defense for you? But then who's the guy behind the scenes? And it was a pretty uh, full-throated defense from Brent Venables. I mean, I've got some of it right here. I mean, one, one quote, why anybody would spend one ounce of energy being emotionally mad about a player that loves this university and has committed every ounce of who he is, every fiber of his body to helping this place be great. I don't know. I don't know what's behind that. It's kind of disturbing, but it is what it is. And he went on to 
to just talk about Justin Broyles as a, a leader of this team, as someone who really does give it all and use the terms like workmanlike attitude, blue collar work ethic. That's like right up Brent Venables' alley. Um, and, and just as somebody who, who really cares, that was the, the point. And again, this goes back, you can critique the, the performance on the field, um, but, but that was the defense of Brent Venables and, and maybe him making a little bit of a statement to, to the folks out there um, who it's really easy to, to be watching the game and, and jump on a kid. But uh, I did think it was a really interesting response from Brent, and I was glad I was able to ask him about it and, and kind of give him that shot to, to defend one of his guys. I had a chance to, to, to write a story this week. That was a great story by you. I got to write a story for Monday uh, after on the heels of the Texas loss. Oklahoma's three and three. What's it going to take for them to get to a bowl game? They have to find a way to win three games out of the last six, which is unusual to even say that out loud. You just don't expect Oklahoma to be fighting for bowl eligibility. And uh, last year, I wrote about this last year. Uh, we got an email after their fifth win saying we're going to have T-shirts from a bowl company saying we're going to have T-shirts uh, celebrating bowl eligibility for Oklahoma with their sixth win. And then the day before the sixth game, we got another email saying Oklahoma doesn't want to take part in this. And, and, and that was just part of because you expect Oklahoma to be in bowl games no matter what. It's, it's just a given. This year, not so much. They got a tough finish to this season. They have six games to go. They're at the midway point of the season. They got a nationally ranked Kansas team coming up. They get a week off. Then they play uh, at Iowa State, which barely beat TC or lost to TCU 10 to 9. Uh, tough place to play is Ames. Then they go play Baylor at home, the defending Big 12 champs. Uh, then you go to West Virginia, which is a road game against a team that you just don't know what's going to happen on the road. Then Bedlam. And then you go to Tech, who beat Texas in Lubbock. The, the, the last Three games, there's six games. There's no, in Brent terms, in Brent Venable's terms, there's no layups. Everything's going to be a challenge. Uh, right now, I think it's really, they're going to have to fight to get to bowl eligibility. It just feels so strange to say that. And they have the second longest bowl streak. I think they've been to 23, 22 or 23 straight bowl games. Uh, it, yeah, it would have been since 99. So they've been to uh, 22 straight bowl games so or 23 straight bowl games. So I, I just think this is going to be a, uh, an uphill climb just to get to, to a bowl eligibility, which is really, really strange to say. Yeah, I, I think it's like objective fact to say that nothing they've shown in Big 12 plays so far would suggest that they can go three and three through this gauntlet and get to six wins. Now, that is not to say that they can't get that turnaround started on Saturday with Kansas and, and find a way. But you're right. This is not the year to, to look for gimmies in the Big 12. Last year, this team might have been able to pick off Kansas, TCU, West Virginia, Tech for sure. Uh, that's not the case this year. And you're exactly it's, – it's a tough slate ahead. And so it really – I think we've been – you know, it's sort of been made this way by, you know, the Brent Venables and Co. from the start. But now it really is the case where it was always about them, not about who they were playing, but about them. But I really think, you know, these games are – as much about what they're doing because we've seen, you know, and, and w which OU team shows up than it is about whoever they're playing because that's what's going to need to change. They need to make some progress. Uh, and honestly, I think that that should really be the goal. I don't know w whether you think this team can win the next six games or they're going to fight for bowl eligibility or, or whatever in between. I think what, what it, it, a Sooners fan should hope to see is just progress because you haven't seen that the last three weeks is, is getting better week to week. Um, that starts Saturday, but you're exactly right. Trying to get to a, a bowl game. That's a conversation they haven't had in Norman, in, what, 23, 24 years. Yeah. Um, and here we are. And I, I don't think anything's a given at this point.
Before we wrap up, I do want to turn to basketball. We, basketball media day, Big 12 basketball media days next week. We're seeing some preseason uh, polls and preseason awards handed out. I do know the Oklahoma women, uh, number four in the Big 12's uh, women's preseason poll, which is higher than they've been in years. Uh, a couple uh, ladies on first team, uh, Maddie Williams, Taylor Robertson, their first team picks. Uh, uh, as of this taping, I don't think we have the men's uh, Big 12 poll. No, that should be a couple hours from now. Yeah, but there were a couple honors. Uh, and uh, Porter Mosier, he, he's got a heck of a team. And, uh, yeah, talk about the two honors that they got yesterday. Yeah, I mean, one was, was Tanner Groves getting an all-Big 12 honorable mention for the first team. That's, you know, maybe to be – that he had a, a strong year last year. Not not a big surprise. But I think uh, what should be encouraging, if you're an OU fan, is how highly the coaches around the, the – the league think of Grant Sherfield, the transfer guard from Nevada. I mean, he, he was really impressive at Nevada, um, both a scorer and a passer. And he comes here as, as probably the guy you look at to be the, the backcourt leader of this team. And he's your, your preseason newcomer of the year for the Big 12. And that's voted on by the league's coaches. So, again, they clearly think highly of him. And we know that they're pretty excited about him and Norman. Uh, and so that's a nice little start there. I and mean, we know we know exactly what these – preseason honors mean this much you can, if you're not watching on camera I've got a big zero up because they don't mean a thing but um I think it is that, that is in, in another sense important recognition of, of really the transfer gem that they brought in this offseason I'm excited to see uh what Grant Sherfield in particular can do this might be a year for a really talented guy who's played at Wichita State in Nevada now to get you know kind of at the highest level his shot and he might be a fun guy to see and, and see what he what he can do you know, with Oklahoma losing Jordan Gore, Jordan Goldwire, who was a veteran point guard from Duke, and they lose Emoji Gibson, they really need that backcourt punch. I think yeah. that's going to add a lot to that backcourt. They just and they need scoring out of that position. You you lost a lot of it with Gibson. You lost a, a game manager with Goldwire. So I think that's huge too, having him uh, just someone who can score. They they need scorers. That was a big issue last year. They need scorers. So for him to come in and to come in, like you said, this this is a poll by coaches who who know the game better than all of us. Uh, mm -hmm. That's going to be huge for the Sooners too. They they uh, opened uh, end of the month, correct? The exhibition game. Uh, they got an exhibition game. Let's let's do a quick search while I look for that. I will say that you're exactly right about the scoring because they're going to be relatively undersized inside. You've got Tanner Groves back. you got mm -hmm. Jacob Groves, Luke Nor Norweather. Northweather is a really exciting freshman, yeah. but he's just that. He's a freshman. Yeah. So the ability on the perimeter, I think, is going to be important. And that's why Grant Sherfield and, and Joe Bamisil, the other transfer, yeah. um, and maybe some of those freshmen, they're excited about the guys they brought in. But you are right. Oklahoma City, uh, they play them on October 25th. That's yeah, the first so exhibition. Yummy. And shoot, that's coming, man. That's two less than two weeks away. That's that's how fast everything comes at you. I mean, it comes at yep. you fast. So that it's going to be – I think Oklahoma basketball under Porter Mosier is going to be fun to watch. It was fun to watch last year. He's developing his culture, developing his team, and uh, a lot of fun. And I'm I just curious, they they were close to the tournament. They were so close on the fringe of making the NCAA tournament last year. I know that's the goal. So, well, Eli, I uh, want to thank you again. Thank all the listeners out there, uh, people who listen to this podcast. Again, you can Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your, whatever platform you get your podcast on, you can listen to Eli and me on a weekly basis talk about Oklahoma athletics. Uh, we'll see what we're talking about next week, Eli. It's going to be interesting. We'll we'll have an off week, but but uh, we'll we'll revisit the Kansas game. So to everyone out there, thank you for listening to to your Tulsa World broadcast. Again, you can see all our content at TulsaWorld.com.